book is so awesome. I can do anything. This book is so awesome. I am the potions king. Did you hear that half book prince? I said I was the king. Can you hear me, Professor Snape? I can make anything. This book is so awesome. Hi, I'm Joel Watson. And this is Potter and Daughter, the Harry Potter podcast, where I talk to my seven-year-old daughter as she reads through the Harry Potter series of books. This episode starts us on uh, book two, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. No comment? (laughs) (laughs) So Harry has finished his first year at Hogwarts. His living situation with the Dursleys was very bad, and it's somewhat improved, right? I believe this is where he graduates from his uh, under the stairs room. Yes, and um, now he is um, up in Dudley's um, old room where he kept all his toys. His second bedroom, because every child needs two bedrooms, especially <laughs> when one child has no bedrooms, right? <laughs> Yep. Yeah, it seems fair to me. It seems like the uh, the Dursleys are, are good people. They're real nice people. <laughs> they they love Harry. They take care of him. <laughs> they treat him like family. <laughs> Except if family was garbage. <laughs> yeah. They are. Uh, so they 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 seem to. Um, I don't know. Maybe out of fear, have have given Harry uh, a bedroom because now they realize that he. I don't even know how much they know about the events of book one. I don't know if they realize that he's gone on a magical adventure and defeated a dark wizard and, and whatnot. I think, I think they do, and they but they do not know that um, Harry is not allowed to use magic outside of school. Correct, which brings us to chapter one, The Worst Birthday and Dobby's Warning. So uh, Harry's had a, a pretty terrible birthday, right? Yeah, um, so terrible that it wasn't even celebrated. Yeah, they don't really, uh, they don't, uh, we, we've seen how, how, at the beginning of book one, how, uh, the Dursleys treat Dudley's birthday. And, uh, you know, he gets 36 presents or 37 presents or 42 presents or... He gets, um, at least one extra present, um, he gets at least one more present than he did, um, that year than he did last year. Right, so he's gotta, he's gotta constantly be more and more greedy. He's got to, uh, he's gotta constantly up his, his present quota from the year before, which, which, you know, just doesn't make any sense at all. Uh, and Harry obviously is not super concerned about presents, but he he would like some recognition, right? Yeah, at least some cards. He would like someone to acknowledge his existence, which uh, <laughs> they seem to try and uh, ignore completely. Yeah, they, they try, they're kind of trying to close their eyes and wish he would go away. So, uh, so the first thing is, uh, you know, Harry Harry's birthday is is not celebrated, uh, and let's see. What what happens with uh, his friends? He feels like um, he is kind of like totally out. Um, like he's totally cut off from the um, from the magic world because um, his friends aren't even sending him letters. Yeah, he feels kind of abandoned. He made all these new great friends over the summer, and now he kind of feels like 
maybe they only like him at school or they've forgotten about him. Or, or maybe they're not even his friends. Yeah, maybe not. So also, can you imagine what it would feel like to discover this whole magical world? Not only that, but discover that you're the chosen one of this magical world and then have to spend like two and a half months back in your old, boring, horrible life with people that treat you terribly and... That's kind of, and then and then also like, not have any contact with your friends. Like one minute, you're the the um you're the most important per, um person in the world, mm-hmm. and then the next minute you're you're garbage. Yeah, it, it's got to be a shock, um, especially because he's used to being treated that way. But I think he finally felt that there was going to be some relief that maybe his life had reached a turning point, and now he feels like nope, it's just same old, same old, back to the way it was. Nobody loves me. And uh, he's sitting. Uh, he's sitting outside on a bench, and he's singing under his breath, "Happy birthday to me, birthday to me." Kind of nobody loves me. <laughs> and he sees something in the bushes. Um, it's a pair of eyes, I think. So he thinks either he's going crazy, or there's actually something in the bushes staring at him, right? Yes. But he doesn't quite know what it is, and he goes and looks in the bushes, and it's gone. Yeah, um, it's gone, and then I think it comes out. Well, he goes home, and there's something on his bed. What's on his bed? Um, oh, yeah, um, it's, um, a strange mythical creature. (laughs) Well, what is, who is it? Dobby. Dobby is what? A house elf. What in the world is a house elf? It's basically an alien slave. An alien slave. Why Why is it an alien? Uh, or do you mean he's more of kind of a creature? Creature, I guess. Okay, because he's, he's definitely from Earth. I don't think he's an alien from outer space. <laughs> but he is treated kind of like a slave, so... Explain to me uh, what 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 is the house elf's role in the wizarding world? Um, basically, to um, do everything that the family they're owned by says. Yeah, so they're owned. They are they are slaves. There's no other way to look at it, and they are servants. Uh, but at least they're paid good money, right? No. No. What are they paid? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Um, that that is. Part of uh, sort of a revelation about the wizarding world where you you realize that maybe everything's not as wonderful as it seems because uh, immediately you think, oh, man, I want to live there. Like, that seems great. I wish I was a wizard. I want to be a part of this. But then you find out that they treat other uh, creatures with intelligence like second class citizens. And that's not cool. I don't really know what second class means. Uh, second class means under, uh, less important than, um, not as much of a person. Oh. And I think it's clear from the moment that Dobby opens his mouth that he's not an animal. He certainly has feelings, and he certainly has intelligence, and he's certainly aware of his own existence. So I would say he's about as important as a human being. He seems to have, like... To sort of have a life like Harry, except no good ever to him. That's true. He is repressed. He is uh, he is mistreated. Um, it seems like he is probably not only emotionally, but physically mistreated. I would imagine they probably hit him and treat him pretty awful. 
Yeah, he has to punish himself. Right. So even if no one else is hitting him, he seems to hit himself. So anyway, what is uh, Dobby's warning for Harry? Um, never go back to Hogwarts. But obviously he tells him why, right? He tells him what? Does he tell him why? No. No. So... He starts to, but then he bangs his head on the wall. Because he's not supposed to be there, he's not supposed to be doing what he's doing, and he's so, uh, he's so in servitude of his masters that even when they're not nearby and they don't know that he's done something he's not supposed to do, he punishes himself. Pretty much. Yeah, so he's, he's a bit of a weirdo, and he's definitely, um, I don't know, traumatized by the way his, his life is, because he... He certainly doesn't act like somebody who isn't, you know, in control of their own life or or able to make their own decisions. Uh, but still, he does what he thinks is right, which for some reason is to prevent Harry from going back to Hogwarts. Also, at this point, Dobby lets slip why Harry hasn't heard from his friends all summer. What's the deal with that? Um, he he's he's like he doesn't um try to mention that, but. Um, he kind of just says something, and then it comes out. Um, he's been stopping um, his friend's letters, so he was think. Um, so maybe. Um, so he was thinking maybe Harry would think that he didn't have any friends at Hogwarts, and he wouldn't want to go back. That's a very, it's a very cruel method, I think. Um, because here's Harry for, you know, two or three months thinking that nobody cares about him, that he's made these these new friendships and that they don't have any interest in uh, talking with him over the summer. And since wizards don't use phones, I guess his only way of communicating with them would be a letter through letters. And so Dobby's methods are extreme, right? I mean, yeah. they're 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 not uh, subtle. He he wants him to get in so much trouble that the Dursleys don't let him go back to school. He wants him to get in magical trouble so that he is kicked out of school. And he wants him to feel so bad about his friends that he doesn't want to go back to school. I know. At this point, Dobby does not seem like a friend, especially because he hasn't explained himself at all, right? I know. Seems like... um. I, I, I feel like now that Harry knows this, I would completely ignore Dobby, too. He seems like he's crazy. He's like, no way, I definitely have friends at Hogwarts or something. And so when they do finally meet up, they'll explain to him, you know, of course we sent you letters. I wonder if he ever gets those letters. I think he eventually does. Because they thought maybe it was a problem with their owls or something. Yeah, um, and in one of the books, um... Ron puts so many stamps that it's like covering the entire letter. So they have to. I guess they have to use stamps to get it to a Muggle house. Yeah, he um, because he was, um, doing it um, for um, by Muggle mailing. Oh, because maybe they thought the the owls weren't getting there, and so they tried a Muggle letter. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um. So, Uncle Vernon is having a very important meeting that night at the house. Do you remember what that is? Um, I think it's like, it, I think he's about to meet some very important people, and <coughs> he's thinking he might get a really big raise on, um, for his company. Doesn't he sell doorknobs or something? Um, 
I th- something boring. I think they're like screwdrivers. Screwdrivers, doorknobs, nuts and bolts. I don't remember. So- something like that. Something no fun. <laughs> so no offense to any doorknob salesmen out there, but, uh, you know, just one more feather in the cap for Uncle Vernon that he has kind of a uh, mundane existence compared to Harry's, but he thinks it's very important and, and very prestigious and... Um, I would say it's a very boring dinner party. Yes, they're having a boring dinner party. There's uh, food and desserts. And Harry is supposed to stay in his room, right? Yeah, he for the whole dinner party, he's supposed to stay in his room and pretend he's not even there. And be quiet. Oh, yes, very quiet. So what does Dobby do to disrupt this dinner party? He bangs his head on, on the wall, and um, when you go... When um, when one of the Dursleys um, goes up to um, to pretty much torture Harry, <laughs> um, um, and Dobby goes to hide, there um, Harry's gonna get into a lot of trouble for no reason again. And Uncle Vernon tries to make excuses, right? He says to yes. his guests, "Oh, Dudley must have left his television on again, the little tyke." Yeah. Yeah. No. That's definitely not the issue. Uh, also, yeah, no. how does Dudley act at this dinner party? Um, I don't really remember because, like, um... Dudley tells the dinner guest, the business associate, that he's his hero. Oh, yeah. Which, do you think he really means that? Uh, no, they he, don't really know him at all. He doesn't even know him. He doesn't even know <laughs> what he does. So he's acting like... His dad has told him so many wonderful things about this, I don't know, screwdriver salesman or whatever. Whatever. <laughs> that uh, that he idolizes him, that he worships him. It's all it's all bogus. Not, none of that's real. So obviously their entire family is concerned with making these false impressions and and uh, being very fake. And, you know, it's just the they're rotten from top to bottom. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So Dobby makes all kinds of noise. Uncle Vernon yells at Harry. Uh, and then... At what point does Harry go downstairs? Does he follow Dobby downstairs? Yes, cause um, when when um Harry says no, I'm going back to Hogwarts no matter what. Um, um, Dobby goes down um and he uses his magic to um raise the delicious um bowl of pudding in. Um, he takes it off the top of the fridge, and he and he says, um, and he whispers, "Harry, if you don't say yet, um, say yes, you will never, you won't go back to Hogwarts." Harry Potter must not go back to Hogwarts. <laughs> um, or um, or he'll drop the whole thing of pudding, and since Harry's down there, they'll they'll think it's his fault. Do you want to know something interesting? It's not actually a bowl of pudding. In Britain, they call dessert pudding. So pudding could mean cake, could mean pie. They also say cake and pie, but they would also just call it as a general term pudding. Oh. Which is not how we use that word, is it? No. Nope. So, Harry says, no, they'll kill me. But what does Dobby do? Um, he, he says, it's for your own good, <laughs> or something. <laughs> So he drops it, right? Yeah. And Harry gets in big trouble. 
how does Harry find out about how much trouble he's in exactly? Um, I believe he gets the first letter he's gotten all summer. Oh yeah, um, the um, a letter from the um, from the ministers of magic, I think. Yeah. Um, the, um, they they say a bunch of stuff about um about how underage wizards aren't allowed to use um use magic outside of school and they're like oh by the way you're expelled have yeah. a, have a nice summer wishing you the best Mathilda Hopkirk or whoever sends the letter yeah so uh so yeah so underage wizards are not yeah. allowed to levitate um the interesting thing is either Dobby is so skilled at magic that he was able to make them think that Harry did it or that their their spells for locating underage magic are based on location. And since they know Harry's the only wizard there and that house elves aren't allowed to leave their houses unless they're instructed to, that Dobby shouldn't be there and no one should be there. So if magic was done at number four Privet Drive, then it must have been Harry. I think that's probably it. Either way, it's, you know, sneaky of Dobby. Um, it, it, it's so, hard It's hard to view Dobby as a friend at this point. So in the letter, they're basically like, um, ha, um, have, have a nice, um, have a nice year. Um, you're going to be living with the worst people, um, with the <laughs> worst people ever for the rest of your life. Right. Yeah. You've lost your chance. You're expelled from Hogwarts. They also never... They never really indicate as many times as they either expel or threaten to expel Harry if it's a lifetime ban. Like, could he come back the next year or I don't know. I don't know what the deal is, but obviously it would be an awful situation. So Harry's in his room late at night. No one loves him. He can never go back to school. He'll never see his friends again. Family's terrible. No birthday. And a crazy elf has come to torture him and ruin his life. (laughs) It's been a pretty bad day, right? Yep. Then what does he see in the window. Uh. Oh yeah, um a f- a flying car? Yeah. With his friend Ron in it. Sees a flying car. And so obviously that's not something he expected to see, oh, right? And um I we also forgot to mention that um un- Uncle Vernon um, d- decided to put right. uh, to hire somebody to put bars on Harry's door. Yeah, he's literally I turned mean, Harry's room into a prison, which is interesting. And they hardly oh, ever co- feed him. Is it because does he put the bars to keep Hedwig in? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think it's so Harry can't get out. Isn't there something about Hedwig, like they won't let Hedwig fly? Yeah, they can't let Hedwig um Hedwig out Hedwig out, um. But um, they're still unhappy with her inside. Yeah, but they won't because she won't calm down because she needs to fly and everything's awful. So anyway, uh, so chapter two, the burrow, uh. The, the flying car shows up with Ron and his brothers, Fred and George, the twins, and they attempt a daring rescue. So they, uh, they magic open the bars. No, that's not what they do. They, no. They, they get a, they have a rope with them, um, or something. And, and then, um, um, they like 
tie it onto the bars real good and then uh. um, start driving the car until it has so much power that it just pulls the bars off. Yeah, so they, they pull the bars off. They they get Harry. Do they get all his stuff? Yeah, they get all his stuff. I don't really know how. <laughs> like, like, they never really mention it in the book. It's like they just have it. That's interesting. Okay, so yeah, so the, I, I don't know. Maybe all his stuff was still packed or, or something, but they... No, all his stuff was locked in the cupboard under the stairs. I, yeah, I don't know then. That's that's a mystery to me. So uh, so they take the flying car back to the burrow. What is the burrow? It's where um, all the Weasleys live. Can you explain sort of the configuration of the burrow? How is this house different than a normal house? It used to be just a little cottage, mm-hmm. but since the Weasleys have so many people living there, mm-hmm. um, they they um, Mr. Weasley has just um, like started building floors and floors until it just started like curving over. Yeah, it's basically like four or five houses stacked on top of each other in a n- not particular order it doesn't go straight up it kind of curves and slants and it's held up by beams and poles and doesn't look very safe and once i counted and they and um they have so far had seven children and two of them have left the house and hogwarts so um basically they have seven people living in that house they have seven children let's see they've got they've got ron and jenny fred and george Percy. Percy. Bill. Bill Charlie. Charlie. That's seven. Yeah, you're right. I thought it was only six. And and then um, Bill and Charlie left, and counting the parents, there's seven people living in that house. Yeah, so even though there's a lot of houses built on top of each other, it's still probably pretty cramped um, because they are, they are not wealthy, and so each of the little houses is small. And uh, it doesn't look safe, and it certainly doesn't look... Um, what would you say? It doesn't look nice and new, right? Yeah, it doesn't look very sturdy. And um, but I think um, um, Mr. Weasley's probably just um, um, used magic to keep it up. I would imagine something like that. Yes, but so Harry obviously thinks that it's a dump. Uh, no. What does Harry think? He thinks it's uh the best place in the world. Yeah, he says it's wonderful. So he's never actually been to a magical home before. He's been to a magical school, but he's never seen how magical people live at home, right? Yeah. Let's see. Um, so Harry Harry is uh, brought into the house. Um, we meet uh, uh, Mrs. Weasley there, and she's super... Really? Huh? You said, you said Weasley. Weasley. <laughs> we met Mrs. Weasley there. And she's uh, none too thrilled about Fred and George and Ron using the flying car. She's very mad. She She's mad at all the... Um, but what I'm surprised at is she's mad at... at um, um, Ron, Fred, and George. But she's like... Uh, and she's like... Um, oh, Oh, hello, Harry dear. Come and have some breakfast. Right. She she thinks Harry's great, and it's not his fault that he was basically kidnapped by her sons, <laughs> even if they did it for the right reasons. Um, do you know why it's a problem that they took the flying car? Uh, 
no, I don't. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Why? Because I think it's two reasons. One, um, any muggle could have seen them. Mm-hmm. And two, um, um, the Ministry of Magic is not supposed to know that you that Mr. Weasley used um, magic to make the car fly. Right. So <coughs> it's especially bad because Mr. Weasley works for the Department of uh, Misuse, Misuse of, of Muggle, muggle Ar- artifacts. artifacts. Right. So what's a Muggle artifact? Uh. Basically, something that a muggle made. Right. It's anything that muggles use with sort of technology that has no use in the wizard world. So a car, a television, a phone, a clock, uh, or our kind of clock, at least. Speaking of clocks, what kind of clock do the Weasleys have in their kitchen? Um, it has, um, it has like nine hands on it or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, and it. Ha- and if you want it, if you want it to tell you the time, you're out of luck. Uh, <laughs> um, I think each hand has um, one of the Weasley's faces on it, right. or their names, or something. Mm-hmm. And um, e- and each of the hands points to where they're most likely to be. Right. So, and then it also doesn't it also say things like tea time and. Yeah. It sort of gives general times for things, but not actual times of the day. Yeah. You know, that's a good point. I I feel like I don't even remember. Do they ever even reference time? Like, I know they, I know they, they, when they have to get like on the Hogwarts Express, they have to be there at a certain time, but I feel like they never say, I've got to be there at noon or I've got to do something at four. Anyway, they, they never do. Maybe they just don't care. Uh, and so Ron takes Harry up to his room, and he's sort of making apologies for it, uh, that it's not very big, that it's underneath a ghoul in the attic, and he's always banging on the pipes. But uh, what does Harry say? He he says what, something like, it's the coolest place in the world, I love it here. Yeah, exactly. So that's interesting, um, that that Ron knows that among wizarding homes... His might not be very impressive, but to Harry, it's like it's better than any Muggle home he's ever been in. The coolest place ever. I think I would agree. I think the it's probably a pretty cool place. But based on based on homes, that's the best place in the world. But if you counted everywhere he's ever been, um, Hogwarts would be definitely first. And Ron's room is covered in posters for. Uh, do you remember what for? Um, the, the same, um, the same Quidditch team and his entire, and his entire room is painted, like, light orange, and, um, and all the posters have, um, moving pictures of the, the same Quidditch team that he loves. And... A funny uh, thing, the, the team that he likes is called the Chudley Cannons. The Chudley Cannons, yes. And he says they're ninth in the league, as if that's a good thing. But there's only 13 teams in the league, which means they're actually very close to the bottom. Yeah. And their motto is, let's all just keep our fingers crossed and hope for the best, which means they're probably not too sure of their abilities. So Ron's favorite team is not a very good team. No. That's kind of a weird thing. 
to root for the. But it's kind of like Ron. You, you root. You root for the underdog. You know. You okay. Yeah, I just have to tickle my. Throat. Okay, have some water. So our next chapter is at flourish and blots chapter four. Did I skip a chapter? No. Hang on. I've got the third is the burrow. Um, the second is um, is what's it called again? The second. Oh, one is and two. I'm sorry. I didn't realize I was doing one yeah. and two at the same time. Worst yeah. birthday and Dobby's warning. Yeah. We did those together. Second is Dobby's warning, okay. and first is the worst birthday. All right. So chapter four at Flourish and Blots. Flourish and Blots is the bookstore where Harry buys all of his. Uh, Buys all of his school books. So they uh, they get ready, they get dressed, they're going to go to Diagon Alley, the Weasleys and Harry. They're going to get uh, everybody's supplies for that year, and they pile into the magical car? No. How do they get there? Nope. Um, this year they used the flu powder, remember? The flu network, that's right. Network. Well, that's what they call the... Network of flus that oh. take you from place to place. So yes, flu powder. They're going to travel by flu powder. What in the world is traveling by flu powder? Um, it's this dust that you throw into a fire into a fireplace, mm-hmm. and um, um, you say um the place that you want to go, and then um you magically um just come out of another fireplace and you're there. Right, so as long as there is a, a fireplace in the place you want to be... And you say it very clearly. Now, who is the flu network for? Because adult wizards can apparate. They can appear wherever they want to. Uh, yes. Um, it The flu powder is pretty much... Um, like apparating for kids who aren't yeah. allowed to apparate. Right, it's for kids. I also get the impression that maybe it's when you have stuff with you. Like if you need to uh, yeah, get somewhere with a big trunk. Because you can't apparate your stuff with you. Yeah, I think you can apparate small bags and backpacks. And uh, Hermione has later on a magical bag that holds a lot of things. But uh, I don't think if you had, like, a stack of luggage, I don't think you could apparate that. I think you'd have to flu network that. Or, like, 16, or, like, 16 books. Yeah, that's, yeah, and most of the Weasleys uh, at this point cannot apparate. None of the kids are old enough to. So it's just Mr. and Mrs. Weasley. So they got to get their whole family plus Harry somewhere. So the flu network's the way to do it. Harry's never done this before, and he makes a bit of a mistake. What does he do? Um, he... Um, he gets some of the ash um in his mouth, and he coughs, and he says, <coughs> "Gone, Alley." Yeah, and you're supposed to say the name of where you want to go. Is the is is the point? So, he uh he does not say the right place, and he explodes into an unfamiliar fireplace. Yeah, he goes um he goes um one street too far, and um he goes to this. He ends up in this evil store um, <laughs> on, what's the street called again? Nocturne Alley. Nocturne Alley, yes. Yeah. Sounds very ominous and spooky. And when he's in there, he ends up uh, hiding in a cabinet because who shows up in the store? Um, um, Lucius Malfoy and Draco Malfoy. Yep. And so Lucius is trying to sell some of his belongings because... 
Mr. Weasley told everybody that he's been having a rough day at work. Do you remember why? Uh, no. They're doing more and more raids on wizards that have things they're not supposed to have. So they're they're hearing about wizards like, that... N- like Mr. Weasley? Like Mr. Malfoy, you mean? No, Mr. Weasley has... Oh, no, you're right. Yeah, you know, you're right. That's, yeah, he's so, you know, he's kind of bending the rules. He's got he's got some things he's not supposed to have, especially that car. Uh, so that, that that is a problem for him. But his job is to find other people that are kind of doing the same thing he's doing. So I think that's why he's fascinated by that stuff, because he sees it so much. Uh, so Mr. Weasley is generally pretty fascinated by muggles in general. Like, he, he, he finds our world very interesting, even though it's very mundane and ordinary compared to his. He... Um, he doesn't um, want to be a muggle, but he's very interested in the stuff that we make and have. Right. He's also, even though he may know more about it than most wizards, he still doesn't seem to know anything about muggle stuff. Yeah, he he knows that he knows a he knows about the stuff, but he doesn't know how to work it. Right. Exactly. So, uh, so they've been doing more and more raids. He mentions in the previous chapter. That it's not the kind of stuff he's supposed to be involved in. It's it's other wizards' departments. That they're finding they're finding uh, you know, enchanted items that are uh, not Muggle items, but like dark items and and things that you're not supposed to own and dangerous things and uh, things that could possibly expose Muggles to the wizarding world. Sure. And so Mr. Malfoy has uh, heard of these raids, and so he's trying to sell some things to Borgen and Burks. Because they deal in, I don't know, evil stuff. And uh, and that's where you sell evil stuff, I guess. So, do they buy anything from him? I don't remember. No, they don't buy. Um, um, they, they pretty much just show um, Mr. Morgan um, the stuff that they have to offer. And they're like, um, we'll give you, like, maybe either a few hours or a day or something to... Um, to think about buying your stuff or something. So he's uh, just kind of leaving it there? And they leave. He yeah. just doesn't want it at his house. He wants it anywhere but at his house. Yes. And why would they... Why would why would the Ministry of Magic allow a store like this to operate? It seems like the only things they sell are dark, possessed, you know, creepy items that are probably against the law. Well... Possibly against the law in our world. It sounds like they're against the law in the Muggle in the Wizard world too. Obviously not. I don't know. I I get the impression that most of the things they sell are not legal, or at least maybe frowned upon. Uh, so Harry stumbles out once they leave, and he realizes that he's definitely in the wrong place. There's some creepy figures in Nocturne Alley, right? Uh, yeah. Um, and he. Um, passes passes by a cart that has like um, bones and dragon dung and stuff like that. <laughs> dragon dung. It's true. I know. Uh, I'll tell you what. Next Christmas, I want a, a big stocking full of dragon poop. <laughs> if you can make that happen for me, I'd be pretty pleased. <laughs> sure. I wonder what you do with that. I wonder what kind of spells you need dragon poop for. <laughs> like bones, I understand, but dragon poop, I don't know. And um and like flesh of something. Yeah, there's there's all kinds of creepy stuff. So <laughs> he runs into a familiar face, though. Who does he see? Hagrid. Hagrid, 
scoops him up. He says, hurry, what are you doing in Nocturnally? Uh, not supposed to be here. So he takes him over first, to... First of all, what are you doing here? That's true. What is Hagrid doing there? Oh, yeah, we also forgot to mention uh, Malfoy asks for a present from Borgen and Burks. Remember what it is? Oh, yes. Um, um, I think it's um, a hand that grabs onto you super hard. It's a hand. I don't know if it grabs him, but it's a hand. I can't remember what it's called, but if it holds a candle... You're the only one that can see the light. So everyone else could be in the dark, but you could see the light. But he's not allowed to have it. Anyway, I thought that was a pretty cool item. I don't think it comes up again. I wish it did, because it sounds interesting. So, they make it to uh, Gringotts. Oh, but also, but also um, Malfoy's father, um, Mr. Malfoy, um, um, he, he, met, um, he says, Drake, you're not, you're not getting anything. I'm already getting your whole team brooms. Oh, that's right. So he's he's upgrading. And later we find out that's how Malfoy has bought his way onto the Quidditch team by uh, giving everybody free brooms. So Yeah. So uh, they run into uh, some friends when they go to Gringotts Bank to pick up Harry's money. Who do they see there? Um, I think they see Ron and Hermione. They see Hermione and her parents. So this is the first time that we hear about muggles wandering around Diagon Alley. And I guess we're supposed to assume if you have a uh, magical kid, you know, you get to know everything, I guess. Right? I guess so. Yeah, I mean, they, I don't know. I don't know if they exp- explicitly spell it out. But obviously, if you're sending your kid to Hogwarts, you're going to know about the wizard world anyway. Yeah, because you, you're going to have to... Um, you're going to have to... Um, go, um, to, um, you're gonna have to go to, um, the Hogwarts Express nine and three quarters, so, like. And you gotta buy them books, and you gotta, so why are they at the bank, do you remember? Um, they're, they're going to get, um, just, a, um, they're going to get, um, the few pieces of gold and silver that they have. They're, yeah, they're, they're exchanging muggle money for wizard money. Uh, so I, you know, our money is of no use. So I think, uh, both of, uh, Hermione's parents are dentists. They probably make a decent amount of money and they're, they're certainly well off in the, uh, muggle world, but none of their money can be spent, uh, on books or on, uh, you know, if they go to the pub, she can't buy a butterbeer or a sandwich or anything. When I said, when I said a little bit of money, I was talking about the Weasleys. Oh, okay. No. Yeah. So I was talking about. I was talking about Hermione's parents. So, so yeah, so they all meet up there at Gringotts. Uh, Mr. Weasley is very excited to meet the Grangers. Because um, he's like, he's very excited. He thinks he can just um, keep um, asking them all sorts of questions like, um, ha, um, ha, like, how do you use a telephone or something? Right, exactly. Yeah, he wants to know... As much about the uh, as much about the Muggle world as he can. So they meet up. They head on to uh, Flourish and Blots. They're going to get everybody's books, and there's a big banner there that says somebody's in the store. Um. Yeah. Somebody's gonna be in the store for a few hours, um, signing his book. Who is it? Gilderoy Lockhart. Gilderoy Lockhart sounds like a great guy. He really does. Yeah, he does. It's, it's a very fancy name. 
they check the reading list for school. Almost every book is by Gilderoy Lockhart. No, everything. Every single book. Except for one. Which? Let's see. I've got a list. I'll tell you the reading list. Because uh, one of them in particular is very impressed by Gilderoy Lockhart. Do you remember who that is? Magical me. No, no. Do you remember which of the friends is very impressed by Gilderoy oh, Lockhart? Hermione. Hermione is. And yeah. she, she says, we actually get to meet him. So they've got the standard book of spells, grade two, by Miranda Goshock. And then oh. Break with a Banshee, Gilderoy Lockhart. Gadding with Ghouls, Gilderoy Lockhart. Holiday with Hags, Gilderoy Lockhart. Travels with Trolls, Gilderoy Lockhart. Voyages with Vampires. Gilderoy Lockhart. Wandering with Werewolves. Gilderoy Lockhart. And Year with the Yeti. Gilderoy Lockhart. Yep. You can you can tell um what what um um, what Lockhart books are because it's always something with something. Something with something. Yes. The premise of his books is that he is an adventurer and that he goes to faraway places and... Does almost impossible stuff. Yeah, defeats, uh, defeats beasts and monsters and saves whole towns and then writes about it. And then now he's premiering his new book, which you mentioned, Magical Me, which is his autobiography, the story of his life written by him. Yeah, I think that's like basically the only the only thing that isn't something with something. Right. So Hermione's very impressed. Uh, I believe Mrs. Weasley is also impressed with Gilderoy. I think she has a bit of a crush on him. Yeah. So he says uh do 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 cuz earlier in the book um um either either I think Fetter George says, um, um, when somebody brings up Gilderoy Lockhart, um, um, she, she, um, um, Fred or George, I think, says something like, um, Mom fancies him or something. Correct. And then he notices Harry in line, and he... He's like, um, he's like... Can it be Harry Potter? <laughs> he says, and he gives Harry a uh, copy of all of his books for free. And he says, ladies and gentlemen, what an extraordinary moment this is. The perfect moment for me to make a little announcement I've been sitting on for some time. Um, and um, then the press or something um, comes to um, get a picture of them. Yeah, he, he, he announces that he'll be teaching Defense Against the Dark Arts. Right? Yeah. Okay, at yeah. Hogwarts. So he's the new teacher. Uh, he's replacing the now dead Professor Quirrell, who was the host to Voldemort. So he's he's got a uh, odd position to fill. Yeah. But he seems like he's up to the job, if not a little bit full of himself. Yeah, because um, well, like his books say, he's done all the stuff with yetis and vampires and all yeah, that Yeah, I mean, if, if you're talking about dark arts, he seems like the guy who can uh, get the job done. So uh, then Mr. Weasley has a bit of a run-in with Lucius Malfoy. What starts that altercation? Um, Lucy, Lucius Malfoy says something like, um, getting, getting all your daughter's stuff set in hand or something, um, not good enough to get her um, new stuff, and then they start getting into a fight. Yeah, he takes, a, he takes an old book out of her cauldron and sees that they're... Uh, buying old tattered books. 
and then he puts it back and he says something like, uh, you know, your your name. It's like hard to believe your pure bloods. You disgrace the name wizard or something like that. Yeah, something like that. Mr. Weasley says, we have a very different idea about what disgraces the name of wizard Malfoy. And then they get into an actual fight and they start knocking stuff over and the, punching like, each other out. Like literally a fight. <laughs> yeah, they... they uh, like scratching and punching and kicking and stuff. I think Mr. Weasley gets a split lip and he punches Lucius in the eye and... There, there, there's definitely, uh, you know, bad feelings all around. And so they leave. Uh, he, he puts the book back in Jenny's cauldron. They fight. They leave. And they head back to the burrow, I believe, because they don't leave for school until tomorrow, right? Yeah, I think they go back to the burrow. So there's an interesting thing um, here is this is the first time that Voldemort is referred to as the Dark Lord. And he's referred to that by Lucius Malfoy, which, uh, you know, you don't know at this point, but kind of shows that maybe Lucius respects Voldemort. Um, I, um, um, actually, since, um, since Harry is going to be at the burrow, too, um, mm-hmm. for a night, um, I think he either um, sleeps in the guest room, which, um... Which um, Fred, George, and Ron have to clean up, or Ron has a bunk bed and um, he sleeps in Ron's room too. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, yeah, I think that's everything for this chapter. So now we also, I believe, didn't Harry tell his friends the story about Dobby, and they were speculating as to who may be Dobby's master? I think so. Something like that. Obviously, we know who it is, but they don't. So, uh, chapter five, The Whomping Willow. So, everybody is back at the burrow, and they are going to get ready to go to uh, King's Cross Station, platform nine and three quarters, take the Hogwarts Express to Hogwarts. Uh, They all load into the magical car, and this time, it's not quite so cramped on the inside. Do you remember why? Um, because, um, um, since they have a lot of stuff, he... Um, Mr. Weasley used more magic on the car, and he's like, don't tell Molly. And he opens the (laughs) trunk, and it suddenly turned into, like, so much room that it's the size of a palace. Yeah, they can fit all their stuff in the back, but they can also fit all seven people in the car, when it's actually a car that can only fit, at most, four people. Yeah, and and it has, like, benches, not real seats. Well, you've actually never probably been in a car with bench seats but that was very common they're they're driving a probably 70s or 80s model ford that was never released in america the first car i had had bench seats which was just a single seat all the way across the front and a single seat all the way across the back that still doesn't seem very safe it's not as safe no and they those cars also don't have airbags and uh you know just they weren't but they were kind of safe because they were made out of steel and Huge and hard to, even if you wrecked them, they didn't fall apart very easy. So anyway, I drove a Chevy Malibu. It was a giant boat. Uh, They're driving a tiny compact Ford, uh, which is, uh, again, only only big enough for four people at most, and probably not even four adults. But they get in with no problem, and so they've made it bigger on the inside. And uh, do you know anything else that's bigger on the inside? Um... No, I don't. Have you ever heard ever heard us talk about the TARDIS? No. No, I think you have. 
I think you know all about the TARDIS and you're just not remembering it. What? From Doctor Who? No, I don't. <laughs> you don't know what the TARDIS is? What about Mommy's earrings? I know what a TARDIS is. I don't know what, what's bigger about it. Oh, what's well, bigger on the inside? It's like, uh, it's like, like you said, it's like the size of a palace. It's got thousands and thousands of rooms, but on the outside, it's like a five by five box. It's like, um, it's like only big enough for one person on the outside. Correct. More like two, but yeah. Possibly two children. Sure. So anyway, back to Harry Potter. So they get in the, uh, flying car. They head to King's Cross. They, uh, start going through platform nine and three quarters. The only people left are... Harry and Ron. Harry and Ron. They run for the platform and slide right through. Nope. Nope. What happens? Crash! Crash, bang, pow, destroyed. (laughs) They fall flat on their faces. (laughs) They try again? Nope. I think they try. They don't try more than once? Nope. Well, anyway, the portal's closed. Either they do when when all the muggles stop looking at them, and they're like just... Like, just pushing against the wall with our carts and don't make any noise. Um, um, or they just, um, stop trying and whisper to each other and trying to find a way to, um, get Hogwarts. So they've got two problems here. Uh, they can't, if they can't get on the train, they're going to have a hard time getting to Hogwarts. If they can't get through, that means their parents can't get back through, so they're stuck. Um, uh, and I'm not even sure what happens then, like because platform nine and three quarters seems to be in sort of a different dimension. So can they just walk out of the train station? No, I don't think so. I guess they'd have to wait for the enchantment or, or whatever someone's done to close the portal to be lifted, and, and then walk back through. I guess so. And and Hedwig, she she was like, they got great. <laughs> Probably something like that. So they so Ron has a plan. What's Ron's plan? Um um since um all everyone else is um is getting on the Hogwarts Express, they're like three, two, one, it's gone. So they're talking about a plan to um to get to get to Hogwarts and Ron thinks um Maybe they can, um, they can, like, um, fly the car. Right, so they get in the flying car, and they don't want to be seen by muggles, and Ron doesn't really know how to drive, much less drive a flying car, but they kind of make it work, and so their plan is to follow the train, follow the Hogwarts Express. Yeah, they, they, like, dunk down beneath the clouds, um, um, every half hour or something. And... They try and use uh, something that that Mr. Weasley installed, but but Mrs. Weasley would not let him use on their first drive. What was that? Um, uh, is a v- in is a ends of mm. <laughs> <laughs> um um invisibility button. Yeah, there's an invisibility booster, I believe, and so that works for a while, doesn't it? But then it gives out, maybe. Uh, um, it started flickering because they'd been driving for so long. It was using up, like, more power sure. than it was supposed to. I'm not even sure what kind of gas you put in a um, magical car. <laughs> and then it just started flickering on and off because the gas and the power were getting, um, um, worn out. Because apparently the car is alive. 
It, yeah, it's somewhat enchanted. We'll learn later. So, uh, so they they lose the invisibility booster, but they have to keep following the train, and uh, they're probably in full view of Muggles at this point. So they just um, <coughs> so um, they get back up above the um the cloud real real quick because they discover okay we can't use the invisibility booster anymore it's done right so so they're they're following the train and they start to run out of gas sort of right as they get to hogwarts um what happens to the car um it um it just loses full power and um coincidentally they um, they fall right at the exact spot that would lead them to crash into a tree. Yeah, and they crash into... Do they know what this tree is at this point? No. They don't know. So they crash into an old tree, and they, uh, the car is destroyed. They, they think it's just a regular tree that they, that that you um, be, um, plant like a muggle or something. Now... They uh, end up in the woods. They can see that the... Does the car drive off by itself? Yes, because um, once they get out of the tree, um, um, it's like super, super mad, and um, and it drives off into the woods. So they... Uh, yeah, it drives off in the woods, uh, seemingly of its own volition. It's it, Like you said, it's somewhat alive. And uh, Harry and Ron can see that the sorting has started for first years, and somebody catches them. Well, well, actually, um, once they land in the tree, then they find out that, um, what it does. Oh, what the tree does? Yeah. Right. So this is, of course, the Whomping Willow. And that tree is alive, and if you come too close to it, it beats you up. Like, if, if you, like, touch it at, if you touch it at all, like, even just a little, like, um, even just... Um, like... I, I understand. So what happens? With your finger. Sure, what happens? Uh-huh. Um, um, they, they watch the sorting, and, um, Snape is apparently outside for the reason we don't know. Um, uh-huh. and he catches Ron and Harry, um, um, fl- flying down on, in a car, and, um, he found, and he, um... He discovers there are two problems. Um, one, Harry and Ron are not inside Hogwarts, and two, the Whomping Willow is basically destroyed. Right, so it's Snape, and then eventually McGonagall and Dumbledore catch Harry, and they've got a... It, uh, um, it, um, no, Snape brings them inside to somebody's office, and then Snape and McGonagall are there. Okay. And they've got a copy of the evening edition of the Daily Prophet, the Evening Prophet. And it's already up to date on what's just happened. And what does it say? Um, I don't really know. It says they were spotted by muggles while they were flying in their car. Oh. Which means that paper comes out quick. Yeah, it really does. Because that's stuff that happened just a couple of hours ago. And it's already in the newspaper. And so now uh, the ministry is going to have to go... Uh, you know, find all the muggles that saw it and like 
And put a um, memory charms on a memory charm on yeah. them and whatever. Yeah, so they've got they've caused a big problem. A lot they've they've also damaged the ancient tree, and they make it sound like they're going to be able to repair the tree, maybe with spells or something. But it's going to be a lot of work, and uh, and they've they've certainly broken you know a hundred different rules, at least. So now we've got chapter six. Gilderoy Lockhart. Uh, this is the first day of classes. They're at the uh, morning breakfast, and Ron gets a letter. Um, when he sees um, what it is, what it, what it, what kind of letter it is, he's like, he's like, um, he just um, like drops it in the middle of the table, and he and Neville are looking at it. Um, as though it might explode or kill them. <laughs> and Neville knows what kind of letter this is. What what is it? Um, it's something called a howler, and mm-hmm. they're and they're looking at it, um, like um, like it's terrifying or something. Um. And Neville says, and, and "You better open it, Ron. It it looks, it'll be worse if you don't." And it looks like the corners are starting to shrivel or something. So it, it uh, sort of pops open and it starts screaming at Ron. Yeah, um, Ron opens it a tiny bit and then it just pops open and it's like... <laughs> and whose voice is it? Um, his mom's. Yeah, it was his mom's. And, and Neville mentions that he got one from his grand one time, but not his parents. Do we know why Neville is being raised by his grand yet? Or is that... Uh. I think that's later. That's later. Okay. So they go to herbology class with Professor Sprout. I don't believe we've seen Professor Sprout yet until this point. I don't think so. I don't think she was in book one. And they are working on a very dangerous plant. Remember what it is? Um, I think it's something called um, a mandrake. Yeah, it's a mandrake, and the root of the mandrake is used in all uh, healing potions and antidotes. So it's a very important plant, but what happens if you hear the scream of the mandrake root? If it, um, if it's um, young, it's, um, it's, uh, it won't kill you, but um, it... Um, it will make you faint for several days. And if it's not young, it will kill you. Yeah, and deadly. It, and if it's and if it's and um if it's older, um, then um yes, it will kill you. So two very important things to remember about mandrake roots is that they are deadly. They can petrify you. They can kill you if they're old, but that they also can make uh, healing potions and antidotes. Might come in handy later. And they're supposed to repot these mandrakes, which means take them out of a smaller pot and put them into a bigger pot so they can grow. So what do they have to do to hear to not hear the mandrakes? You have to put on um, earmuffs and make sure they're covering your ears very, very tightly. I would also guess that these must be enchanted earmuffs because just regular earmuffs, you would still be able to hear it just fine. So. Yeah. I th- yeah. Uh... Earmuffs aren't even uh, for blocking out sound. They're but... for blocking out cold. Yeah, they're um, they're more like um, it just makes you can hear stuff just just as well, and you can understand what people are saying. Um, it just muffles it a tiny bit. Right. So they go to lunch after that, and Harry meets a new first year named Colin Creevy. 
um, and he is super thrilled to meet Harry, and he's like, can I have a picture or something, um, and can you sign it, so, um, and my older brother, um, somebody, um, said that if, um, if I put this, put it, put my, the picture in this, like, special kind of water or something, um, um, the picture will move. Huh. Oh, you mean uh, if they develop it. Yeah, yeah. It's like a developing fluid. Okay. Um, so. Because he has a muggle camera with him. Oh, I see. Okay. So uh, so he takes the photo. Doesn't Gilderoy Lockhart show up to? No? No. Am I remembering that wrong? Not in this scene. I that... thought he showed up to take the picture with Harry. Oh, that, um, you're thinking of super later. Like, maybe two or three chapters later. Really? Yes. I'm looking at my notes. Let's see. Boop, 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 boop. Reading the greenhouse, and they're doing... Let's see. Lockhart. Lockhart talks to Harry about the car incident and how Harry... Ah, that's this is what I'm thinking of. Um, so Lockhart, before uh, the Mandrake thing... Uh, Lockhart runs into Harry and he says that Harry has become publicity hungry. Do you know what that means? No clue. Publicity is like uh, being in the paper and being on the news and having people talk about you for what you've done. Do you think Harry is really publicity hungry? No. I think you'd rather just be left alone by all that. Yeah, um, it was Colin who, um, who wanted a picture signed um, and then Malfoy was was like, hey everybody, um, Harry Harry Potter's leaving outside in photos, and then Lockhart comes out and he's like, who's getting outside in photos? Oh, it, it, um, should I shouldn't have asked or something. That's what I'm talking about. Is that Lockhart shows up and sort of, if there, if there's ever a spotlight, he tries to get in it. So if he sees people paying attention to Harry, he wants to be involved. He even wants to sort of divert the attention from Harry to himself. Pretty much. And also, because Harry is famous, whether he realizes it or not, I think Gilderoy Lockhart sees in Harry an opportunity to become more famous himself by associating himself with Harry. And being with him a lot. Yeah, he he thinks that they would be like a... uh, Team. A good team for publicity and for being famous. Because they are both, at least as far as everyone knows, they are both known for famous deeds and for, you know, accomplishing big things. Only one of them seems to like it and one of them seems to not care much about it. Yeah. He also mentions that he has won an award. Do you remember what his award is, Gilderoy Lockhart's? The, um, he's won five times the most perfect smile award. Yeah, which weekly's most charming smile award? Something very important, obviously. Uh, yeah. But he also cautions Harry to take it slow. There'll be more time for this when you're older, which it sounds like he's concerned for Harry, but really he's just kind of saying, hey, back out of the spotlight, buddy. This is my time. You wait till you're grown up this and it can be my, your time. This is my time to shine. Like, um, what, what, um, when you're, um, when you're at least my age, you can, like, do your thing. Right. And uh, actually, before they meet Colin Creevy, too, they have transfiguration class. 
and we learn that Ron's wand was smashed by the Whomping Willow. Yeah, we're we're basically telling the story backwards That's okay. I'm remembering some stuff that I had forgotten. So these, but these are important things because his his messed up wand is going to be a factor in the rest of the book. Uh, so what does he do to try and fix it? Um, he tries to just um, tape it back together, but um, it ends up backfiring and it doesn't work. Like, um, I think they're supposed to turn um, a rat or a mouse or something into um, a cup and or or glass or something, and he ends up turning it into um, into a fuzzy glass with a tail. Yeah, he turns a mouse into a teacup rat, basically. Pretty gross. Uh, so then they finally go to Lockhart's first Defense Against the Dark Arts class, and he introduces himself with his amazing title, Gilderoy Lockhart, Older of Merlin, third class, honorary member of the Dark Force Defense League, and five-time winner of Witch Weekly's Most Charming Smile Award. But I don't like to talk about that. That that uh, seems like the longest name you could ever have in history. Yeah, and I also get the impression that he does like to talk about that. Ah, uh, yeah. He likes to talk about himself, at least. He says, I didn't get rid of the abandoned banshee by smiling at her. <laughs> yeah, so. He's annoying. So they uh, they get a test. All of the books for this year, for Defense Against the Dark Arts, are his books. So when he gives them a pop quiz, all yeah. of the questions are about him. Yeah, he, um, he, um, he just gave them a quiz to... Um, to see how um, how well um, they've read his books, and he's like, um, I don't care what grade you get. I I just want to see um, 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 how well you read my books or whatever. Yeah, and, and, but it's also that he just wants to hear people talking about him. He, I don't see how knowing his favorite color or his secret ambition or his ideal gift can prepare them to fight dark magic. They're like, what is Gilder- Gilderoy Lockhart's this? What is Gilderoy Lockhart's this? How did Gilderoy Lockhart do this? <laughs> yeah, one of the questions, or one of the answers for his ideal gift is he would like to see a harmony and peace between magic and non-magic people. Ugh. So, yeah, he's full of it. Um, then he pulls out uh, a magical beast... The Cornish Pixies. Um, when they're in the cage, they're, um, they're like... <laughs> they, they, <laughs> they don't really look dangerous, well, do they? They don't look dangerous. They look maybe even sweet, but yeah. he lets them out of the cage, and they are definitely not sweet. No. So what do they look like? Um, they, um, they, they look... Um, they're blue and they're kind of like demons, um, um, with dragon wings. Yeah, so they come out and they start causing havoc, right? Yeah. And what does Lockhart do to try and stop them? He tries to, um, put his spell to get them back in their cage, but when it doesn't work, he's like, um, he's just dunking under his own desk while... Um, either Neville or Seamus Finnegan um, is um, is on the chandelier. 
Yeah, so his his spell doesn't work. He should be the one that knows exactly what to do, but his spell has no effect, and, and then Hermione does what? Um, I think she does some kind of spell or something. She does a freezing charm. Oh, yeah, and um, it freezes um, a few of them, um, and when class is over, um, everyone rushes to the door, and when everybody but um, Ron, Hermione, and Harry... Um, are are um out of the classroom. Um Lockhart's like, Oh, you three, how about you try and um get all of these little tykes back in their cage or something? Yeah, and so they, they pick up all the frozen pixies, put them back in the cage, and he sort of plays it off like, I could have done this, but you know, whatever. Everything's fine. And Ron and Harry begin to doubt his abilities, but Hermione is not so sure. He's like, How dare you? Or something. Yeah, she says, rubbish. You've read his books. Look at all those amazing things he did. Well, I'm saying something a lot. So the question for Lockhart is, if he didn't do those things, who did those things? Or were they ever done in the first place? Uh. Is it all lies? You know, we don't know yet. We don't know if maybe he's just having an off day, but he is actually great at his job. What do you think? Mm, not really so sure about that. Of course, you already know because you've read this book going on your second time now. Right? Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so uh, at this point, uh, I think we're set up for another year of a defense against the dark art teacher who maybe doesn't know what they're doing. Mm, pretty much. It makes me wonder, why do they keep hiring these people? Um, for instance, they obviously hired Lockhart based on what his books say, but it sounds like maybe nobody checked him out to make sure that he actually knew how to do anything. Like, to make sure that, um, that, um, that they were actually done by right. him. Right, right. He, he, he's certainly, uh, maybe even a good writer. If you had to give him a compliment, uh, you might say that he's good at writing about magical deeds if he even wrote the books himself. But at this point, it's unclear if he actually has any skill or not, it seems like dealing with some Cornish pixies should have been uh, a no-brainer for somebody with all of his powers, right? Yeah. And certainly, and he should be more powerful than Hermione. Yeah, um, and he um, and he should not um, um, let um, three um, three students um, try and um, get like twenty-three or something. Cornish pixies back um that are kind of like demons um <laughs> um back in their cages. Do you think that Hermione is using her best judgment right now? Uh maybe, maybe not. Well, cuz she's convinced that he's everything he says he is. And Ron and Harry aren't so sure. I think Ron and Harry are more right. I think Hermione has clouded her judgment with a bit of a crush on Professor Lockhart. She seems to think he's pretty great. I also think she thinks he's pretty cute. What do you think? Yeah, maybe. Okay, well that is it for this episode of Potter and Daughter. And uh, I want to mention that our theme song is This Book is So Awesome by Harry and the Potters. You can find them by Googling Harry and the Potters Bandcamp. They have, it's uh, at least... 10 albums of awesome 
uh, all Harry Potter themed songs, uh, as well as this one that you heard. And if you like this podcast and if you want to support it, please, by all means, I encourage you to check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash hijinksensue, H-I-J-I-N-K-S-E-N-S-U-E. And uh, you can give a dollar a month, you can give two, three, four dollars a month, whatever you like. There's rewards for uh, different levels, but certainly it, it makes it easy to keep this podcast going and free with your support. And uh, for Potter and Daughter, I'm Joel Watson. And I'm Lily Watson. I think we did a pretty good episode. Good episode? Yeah. Great episode. This book is so awesome.